spread your weed, everyone. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Oops. <laughs> I hate when I do that. Sometimes I have the wrong camera on, so you got a nice little uh, preview of a leg we're mm-hmm. going to look at later. Mm-hmm. Well, good morning, everybody. It is the morning show. I'm a little bit loud. Hold on. <clears throat> Coming in a little bit hot. Coming in a little bit hot. I got my microphone problems fixed. Uh, yeah, so it's Friday. Uh, everybody in the neighborhood is mowing their lawn right now. That's how you know it's Friday. It's a good day. Nicole's in a good mood. I'm not in a good mood. <clears throat> you can just look at her. You can see like... it. It's oozing out of her pores. I just got a My lot. gosh. The kids kids are getting... Ava's going to get a lot of shots today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a shot today. Mateo's going to get a shot today. You should be getting a shot today. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> all right. Well, it's all good. So we want to thank some folks who yes, helped us thank out you. on this wonderful, uh, delightful, and happy morning show. We want to thank <laughs> Zoe. <laughs> to say. Snap out of it. Uh, Zoe and Art were two folks who helped us out on Patreon. And uh, the the YouTube members thing, it's actually taken off. A lot of people are uh, signing up for it. So, again, I want to thank everybody. But the problem is they don't give us a good way to do that. I just want to mention a couple of people. Roger L., Michael L., Jeremy S., Judy G. I'm not saying your last names because I don't know if you want me to. Uh, Jason K., Nathan R., Charles M., Nick Green. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Nick. Instinctively said a last name. Uh, but all those folks are over on the membership section on uh, on YouTube. And we really appreciate your support there, too. Um, I am trying to put a little bit of extra fun content there. So if you are a member or if you're at the $5, or is it mm-hmm. $4.99 or $5? It's, it's $4.99. Okay, the $4.99 level on Patreon, that one gets it as well. No, if I've got $5. Sorry, I thought you were talking about... <laughs> YouTube. If it's around five bucks, that's, that's the level yeah. where I'm going to sometimes take a little preview. In this case, I took a preview of a leg construction method that I'm using. I'm going to show you the leg in a minute, um, but I'm, I kind of gave you a little bit of a preview of what the process looked like. Because I posted a picture on social and uh, a lot of people got confused with the picture that I posted. Somehow, the way that I posted it just did not clarify what I was actually doing. So, you know, it happens. It happens, Nicole. So for some reason, YouTube is is like, <clears throat> I try to I try to be helpful, right? Yeah, and I try that's, to that's say, hey, go here and you can join the YouTube chat. Well, YouTube decides they want to redirect that to an old video. Like the, it's all wires across. So I'm just like, just yeah. click above. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do. That's what I'm doing. Only so much you can do, Nicole. I know. There's only so much. So speaking of that leg, let's take a look at it. Excuse me, I'm doing my best to to keep my voice clear today. So this is a a cherry leg. You can see we've got a little bit of a curve down at the foot. And uh, this is something from my mom's dining table. The curve is really meant to kind of match the chairs that we bought from uh, my buddy Matt Cremona with his whole uh, pre-made chair thing that he's doing. So it's kind of going to be thematically related to it. But um, the focus of the video that I posted for members was not this, uh, the making of this curve. It was actually focused on this end grain. Now, I don't know if you can see that very well. Maybe not. The lighting isn't great. But this joint goes corner to corner. Right? So that glue joint, normally, if you just do a glue up of two pieces of eight quarter, we would have a glue joint going right down the middle of one of these uh, outside faces, and that's not ideal. So uh, I show you how to 
kind of change the orientation of that glue joint to put it in your favor. You can also use that sort of same technique to kind of get riff sawn faces on all four sides, um, if that's something you want to do, or quarter sawn faces. Uh, but it's a cool little technique. It actually will be part, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a guild video. So this is just a little preview of something, uh, just to kind of wet your whistle. I finally got into the chat. Oh, good. You know, if it, when we are live, if you go to youtube.com slash the wood whisperer slash live, you'll get whatever live is going on. Whatever's moment, going on live. Which is nice. Okay. I just wanted to say hi to Greg Moore. He's been following and uh, he's done a lot of your projects. Awesome. And this is his first time tuning in. So well, hey. There you go. Welcome, little, Greg. Little welcome to you, Greg. Nice to see you, Greg. Some of my best friends are named Greg. And Matt. And Matt. And John. Tyler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just name all my all my friends, Nicole. Um, Jim. Yeah, Lots that's him. Okay, uh, one other thing. Fremont Chest of Drawers. You guys know Daryl Peart? <clears throat> Excuse me. So Daryl is the green and green guy. He has a Chest of Drawers video in the guild. It's been on pre-order for about a year now. Mm. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry, guys. You're having a problem <clears throat> today. Look, I asked him, I go, have you been drinking <clears throat> milk? You can't blame milk. I'm telling you. It's a, it's a combination of nasal, continuous nasal problems. I've been having a lot of <clears throat> sinus. I mean, with the weather, like... Yeah. Dropping 50 degrees on one day. Whatever it is, it's no fun. It's, it's a whole thing. So Daryl's project is finally starting to release the videos. Technically, it wasn't supposed to come out till October, but I'm like, you guys have been waiting for like a year and a half for this. Maybe I should just push these videos out as they come. So if you are already subscribed to that, those videos are dropping right now. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is Cremona's Dressing Vanity. That is now on pre-order. And during the pre-order period, it is 30% off. As soon as that two-week pre-order goes away, so does that low price. So if you're interested in this dressing vanity, I should have should have gotten a picture. I totally forgot. It's gorgeous. It's a sort of mid-century modern uh, design. Lots of miters and bevels. Uh, it is. It's gorgeous. What so, is wrong with you? What is wrong with me? <laughs> you I don't forgot, know. You forgot a picture. Oh, that. <laughs> so go check it out. That's at thewoodwhispererguild.com. And uh, the last thing is uh, something you guys should, should jump on, yeah. and that is the drum sander giveaway. Oh yeah. From our friends at Jet. So yep. this is one of the little benchtop models. Uh, if you know, the, super handy if you don't have a big shop and you don't want that floor standing unit. Uh, this is a, a great little machine. So um, you have how long to? So the end of the in? month. So we're roughly halfway through the month. So you have a little bit more time to enter. Go for um, it. Yeah. So exciting stuff. It is. Go to thewoodwhisper.com/giveaway. Um, it's really easy to enter. You can just give me your email. So easy. Anybody can do Anybody it. Anybody can do it, except for if you live outside the United States or Canada. Yeah. <laughs> then you can't do it. I'm sorry. And uh, last announcement. Sorry, a lot of announcements Lots today. Of I released the condensed version of Nicole's desk, mm -hmm. right? Because okay. a lot of people um, sort of surveyed the audience, and a lot of people were like, we like both types of videos, long and short. So I was like, well, let's just make the condensed version, see what happens. I called it the, the Nicole's desk short attention span version. <laughs> and uh, one person took issue with that and says- uh, Oh, did they? Yeah, that like, so do you find it really, uh, you have a lot of success being condescending to your audience? And I was like, uh, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, it is actually one of the secret sauces <laughs> to my success is, uh, you know, look, I usually, I'm a very self-deprecating person, so sure. I, I'm the first person to make a joke about myself. It's kind of a defense mechanism for insecurity, but that's a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I make jokes. That's what I do, you know, and the sooner you, you, you either like that and you stay or you dislike it and you go. Uh, and either way is fine with me. It's, it's just, it's all fun. We're Tim, all just trying to laugh. Tim JB says, then you wait for the Christmas sale 
for Coronas. Uh, just FYI, no project that has come out in the last year ever goes on sale for the Christmas. Aha! So, so maybe can, next Christmas? You can wait. Maybe he be, was talking about next Christmas. Maybe. Maybe. Could very well be. Okay, so you know what we're really here to do? Not just announce stuff and self-promote, mm. but we are here to answer questions. Yes. Nicole is monitoring the chat room, so if you have a question there, she will grab that. I've got questions pre-selected from our friends on Patreon, the folks who support us there. And uh, I will start reading those now. Okay. I need a tissue. Lark, no, just blow it out. It's fine. <laughs> Could just you do imagine? Do a little snot rocket. Oh, God. I got a... I got, uh, uh, called out for like doing the palming of the nose in a oh, video at I, one point. You did that? I did it, that once. It drove me nuts. Well, listen, you're stuck with me. <laughs> I know. I'm contractually, like contractually at least for a period of time. Oh god. And it would be very inconvenient to break that contract. Oh, but okay. uh yeah, snot rocket all the way. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Lark Atkins says, Hey Mark, out of curiosity, how many guild members are there now? Uh and also what block plane were you using to bring down the string inlay in the guild project for the Rubio <laughs> Okay, he said Rubio, but and a lot of people do that. The, the Rubo. 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 <laughs> uh, bench cabinet build. Okay, so first things first. I checked this morning. You know, the, the thing is, there are a lot of people who would take a number like that and use it to brag because um, I guess it's like herd mentality. People want to join something that a lot of people are already part of. Uh, the number is about 30,000 now. The thing is, though, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more honest about what these numbers mean, that just means someone bought a project from us. That doesn't mean that the, the person is an active, Member, currently yeah. participating in all levels of guild membership, right? Yeah. But it does mean that they have purchased the project from us. So the number that you're looking for is about 30,000. So yeah. If that satisfies your curiosity. we have around, around four or five, I think, in the guild Facebook group. And that's just the subset of people who use Facebook. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard to gauge this and give you a number that's truly meaningful, but those are the numbers. Well, for instance, I ran a query of everybody that has um, uh, the Fremont chest of drawers to yeah. send them a, a note saying, hey, you can finally, you can finally uh, watch these videos. And in that group, it was a small group, there were like 30 of them that were considered in my program algorithm unengaged yeah because they're not so, opening emails so or... if i didn't if i if i didn't send it to them they would never know yeah but they're not engaging anyway and that could be for a variety of reasons you never know you never know what's going on so to answer your block plane question it could have been any one of these i actually need to go look at the video but these are my current set and sometimes you know i do a little upgrade once in a while oh the super chat thing looks blue uh so there is a uh, veritas block plane this one is actually relatively new then I have a Lee Nielsen block plane, which I've had for uh, quite a long time. And then this little baby brass Lee Nielsen. It, it had to be one of these, but we got two Lee Nielsens and then a Veritas with a PMV11 blade in there. So I honestly don't know which one it was, but it's it's gotta be one of those. One of those, Nicole. Um, okay. Let's see. I, I got, got a, plenty got, of questions. You got a super chat that just came in Okay. If from OJ. Right there, it's right there. <laughs> you guys are uh, new to the show. This is our friend OJ. We call him OJ because he has a lot of letters in his name. <laughs> Those are the first two. He did a little tappy tap tap on that keyboard. Okay, he says, Ooh, I gotta find the question in that name. I need a recommendation for a boring, lifeless, and joke-free show. This show is too lewd. Okay, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Matt does a show on Friday nights. He does. They drink. <laughs> yeah, but you realize what I just said? I know. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. It's a... It's, uh, it's all in good fun, I, Nicole. I, I know you're... L look, we have a son. 
And I see the sarcasm rubbing off on my son. Yeah. And I have a policy in my life. It's called uh, insult your enemies, but insult your friends harder. <laughs> That's my policy in life. Okay. Uh, what else we got here? So Richard Abbott had a question about HVLP. He says, I'm planning on graduating from a cheap Wagner sprayer that I got at a local box store into a better device for spraying finishes. I'm currently primarily using polys and occasionally latex paint. Um, not opposed to having another slightly better Wagner for the latex products if that causes an issue with a, a good sprayer for other thin finishes. For the price range, I'd like to stick around 200 to 500 Any guidance would be appreciated. I'm going to recommend some of the Fuji line. Um, I've just had great luck with Fuji sprayers. I think they're giving me a sprayer for the Woodworkers Fighting Cancer auction. That'd be, that would be great. Yep. So they not only have their Q line, that you know, stands for quiet, so you get any number of... Um, uh, what do you call it? Stages. So two stage, three stage, four stage, even five stage. Uh, that's their top of the line version. They also have a couple of other uh, lines like the Semi Pro and the Hobby Pro. And these are ones that are just sort of, um, I haven't really had a whole lot of time, of, of time with them to tell you what they, where they cut costs to get those a little bit cheaper, but they definitely fall within that range. And I would say you want at least a two stage. When you're spraying latex, you still may need to thin at two stage and it depends on the paint. And the results may not be perfect. You do want to test it out. Uh, ideally, if you could even go to a three-stage, you'll be better off. Uh, I've got a five-stage. That thing is a beast. It's got no problem pushing out paint. Uh, but if the paint becomes like an occasional thing, I do think you're better off you know, with a HVLP. If you can't get good results with the, the HVLP with thinning, using the proper tip, and maybe even trying a different paint brand, if that doesn't work, then yeah, you might be stuck going to get another Wagner uh, airless sprayer in order to get some of that paint pushed out. I was just seeing who you had last on your, your oh, list because okay. I know there was a few that came in after. Yoso. Yoso says he's in the market for a straight edge. Any recommendations, things to care about? Looking at the Woodpecker's version, they claim 0 .003 inches error in three feet, which is the same amount of error claimed by a power tech on Amazon, uh, which is 50 inches. He says, I wonder if you know what to look for or to avoid in a straight edge. Okay. Uh, you know what? With a straight edge... This is where you don't want to get too nuts, right? Honestly, I love woodpeckers. Woodpeckers is great. But if you're just looking for a simple straight edge, I would probably get that 50-inch power tech. Uh, the longer that straight edge is, especially if you're doing tool tune-up, you know, maybe you're setting up a jointer, the longer the straight edge, the easier it is to do those jobs, right? So, um, but it also becomes a lot harder to justify getting a really, really long straight edge. Like um, Lee Valley makes the steel and aluminum versions. And I've got a four-footer. But I couldn't justify getting that in, it was just too expensive to get the one in steel. So I got it in aluminum. It's not, you know, the best thing out there, but it gets the job done. So when, when we have to, when we look at these numbers, I do think it's important for us to keep in mind who we are and what we do, right? And we're woodworkers. And woodworkers really should not be too fussed about three thousandths of an inch over 24 inches. Or in this case, you know, the power tech, whether they're exaggerating on their uh, accuracy there or not, 50 inches. So I don't think you should really worry about it too much. I would not drop a whole lot of money. Uh, Woodpeckers does make nice stuff. If you've got it in the budget, you can do that. But if you find a less expensive one that claims to have an accuracy level that you could live with, I would go with the less expensive version. All right? And it may not be red, but that's okay because the silver ones are nice too. Uh, the other question he had was about feeler gauges. So hold on a second. Oh, you got two It's questions. a two-parter. It's a two-parter. Mm -hmm. He also says he loves the uh, barbecue channel. Oh, cool. And uh, for any Chileans out there, happy 18 or even better, Feliz 18. Today is our Independence Day. Nice. Well, uh, viva la Chile. 
Right, Nicole? Sure. <laughs> You're so American. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. Sorry. Okay. So he wants to know about feeler gauges. He's looking for recommendations there. You know, feeler gauges is also something I wouldn't get too fussed about, but I will give one solid recommendation. Most feeler gauge sets that you find out there, maybe they're for, you know, engineers or automotive people. A lot of times you find them to be little stubby ones. This is a bad example because these are, these are really stubby, um, but you'll find very short length. Stubby nubs. Yeah, these are definitely stubby nubs. <laughs> TM. Take that stumpy. Um, these would not be the ones I would recommend. You want to stay away from that. Uh, in woodworking, we tend to need a little bit more material to work with and uh, to, to whatever you're doing with this. It's nice to have a longer feeler gauge. This is a set I got ages ago from our friends over there at Lee Valley. And when I say friends, that doesn't mean I got it for free. That's actually what a lot of people do. Okay. It's kind of a trick. You bought that. Yeah, I did buy it. But okay. content creators will uh, subtly let you know that they got something for free by saying, my, my friends. friends. At, my and friends. guess what? They're not your friend. They're a business. Nicole, they are not anybody's friend. <laughs> They're a business. They're just trying to make money. <laughs> you're terrible. They can't see your face to know that you're being a smart ass. Yeah, but they know me, so it's fine. <laughs> so anyway, you don't have to get the Lee Valley ones, but look for ones that are longer. You could typically find these extra long feeler gauges. These are super handy. And that, my friend, is what I would recommend, Yoso. All right. Uh, Seth Clayton wants to know, are we allowed to sell pieces that we made using the guild? So what I'm thinking is... Well, I mean, good luck. I mean, you're, you're trying to sell ice to an Eskimo, but <laughs> you can definitely... I mean, if you have... I didn't mean to interrupt I, don't, you, so I, don't, I think he's saying, are we allowed to sell the, sell the pieces that he's made from the guild, not to the guild? Okay. It's a very different question. Yes, it is. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but that's what I think you're saying. So that seems the logical question for him if to you, answer. If you go to the FAQ on the Guild site, it does say you're not allowed to sell the pieces because we do have instructors that um, don't want that. But I know with Mark's stuff, you can sell it. I have an um, article on my website, on the free site, about, what is it, Copy yeah, something, it's like, something about copying my yeah, work. Don't copy me or something. It's it's like done in tongue and cheek. Yeah, my my personal <laughs> policy on jerk this way of <laughs> saying sure you can sell them. <laughs> Where is the question on uh, the FAQ? Um, it it it's towards the beginning. So uh, my personal policy on this is actually different. You know, when we look at a lot of the guest instructors, these are people who make their living with their furniture. Mm -hmm. Their um, you know willingness to let someone take their design, reproduce it, and then sell it, it's a different prospect for them. For me, my goal is for you to learn how to build furniture. And if you can make a few bucks doing that too, I'm all for it. Go for it. What I don't want you to do is take something that is clearly something I designed and then pass it off as your own. Yeah. Ideally, I would like to receive some sort of credit or acknowledgement in one way or another. And if you do that, I'm totally cool with it. I hope someone wouldn't take, you know, I mean, nothing, I, nothing I've ever built is really like product line commercial worthy, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But if someone were to take something I made and try to produce it commercially, um, we might not be friends in the future if you don't want to talk to me you about that. You might not be my favorite. <clears throat> you might not be my favorite, but I got to <laughs> tell you, legally, there's not a whole lot I could do about it anyway. Um, all that said, in the FAQ in the Guild, we say very specifically just to cover our butts, Guild designs are intended for personal use as educational projects. You are free to build as many as you like for yourself. No one is going to stop you from selling one or two of these projects to friends and family, but please refrain from offering guild projects as regular items. And then I also linked in the chat room 
a article you did back in 2014. Yeah. That doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was six years ago. Time's flying, uh, baby. It's called Selling Wood Whisperer Design for Profit. So uh-huh. that'll give you his thoughts on it as well. You got so many thoughts, Nicole. So many thoughts. We've been here for a long time. Yeah. It's been a while. We're old. So long. I'm always uh, saying we're old. Did you see this? Oh, geez. You're really old. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Dudes who have the beard that like buries your lips inside yeah, the beard. Yeah. Where like you have to be strategic about getting getting food into yeah, your mouth hole. Yeah. It seems like... seems inconvenient <laughs> to me. Now you might be wondering why there's just a uh, a random Halloween beard. Yeah. Oh, uh, here. I know. <gasps> I bought the beard. Careful, you're you're messing with my microphone, uh, Nicole. Oh, sorry, sorry. Also, I think you like this, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't. A little little ZZ top <laughs> action. Look, YouTube takes a toll on you, my friends. You make videos, you get insulted, you have to to answer criticism constantly. It's a pace I don't God. recommend, and it ages you early. Yeah. Okay. I can tell. All right. What do we have next? <laughs> People are like, "You're so gray." <laughs> yeah. Geez. Look, you've gotten old. Okay. Uh, I got a question here from uh, Tom Weatherhead. Nicole, are you going to be selling big prints of Mark in that suggestive pose that he was in for the short video <laughs> thumbnail? No, we're not doing that. We'll just leave that on Instagram. If you're not sure what Tom's talking about, head on over to the uh, Instagram.com slash Wood Whisper. Is it the Wood Whisper or just Wood Whisper? Wood Whisper. Once in a while, you got to remind people that you're a jerk. <laughs> That's it's just something you have to do. I mean, if you don't do something goofy like that for a while, time know. goes by, people start to follow you. They think you're just about... Pretty pictures of woodworking. Selling woodworking. Selling woodworking. But then you got to remind them that, like, no, look, my, my priorities are elsewhere. <laughs> and manspreading in front of a few thousand of my closest friends <laughs> is high on my list of priorities. <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, okay. goodness. Let's do uh, Black Goat Woodworking's question. I have an 8-inch jointer, and I recently bought some stock that's 8 and 3 quarters to 9 and a half. I know you did a video on milling oversized pieces, but this is, he says six, eight. I think it maybe means six quarter walnut for a tabletop where the boards will be 78 inches long. So I don't feel comfortable taking my guard off with such big pieces. I totally understand that. Uh, how would you split the stock for milling? Cut it in half at about four and a half inches each, or just trim it down to eight inches and call the one inch waste or, a, uh, or cutting board scrap. This is a very personal question. I don't think there's a right answer because it just depends on what you want to do. Um, I probably would be more inclined to cut these into the four and a half inch pieces and that might surprise some people. I do like my boards to be as wide as possible when possible. But with pieces like this and a big top and these pieces are 72 inches long, uh, the wider they are, the heavier they're going to be and the more unruly they are going to be to joint. That's not to say that you can't do it. It's just going to be potentially a little bit more problematic. So I like the idea of going a little bit narrower because that is actually a lot easier to handle. And in the end, once it's all glued together, it's not going to be that big of a deal going from an eight inch board to four inch boards. You just have more of them. Um, but again, I could still totally buy the argument for someone who says, yeah, trim off that extra inch, save that for cutting board material scrap for the holidays or whatever, uh, and get the most out of each board that you can. Um, I'm, I'm okay with both answers. I think you ask, ask me again tomorrow, I might go with the other way. But today, I would say cut them down the middle, retain as much uh, material as possible, and then go with uniform four and a half, five inch wide pieces. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brian. 
Venom is in the chat. And oh, he, Brian. He, he said, you actually make more money if you sell your own designs. Well, there you go. Well, yeah, Brian, when, you, when your stuff looks like yours, <laughs> when your stuff looks like my garbage, you go, you go poor very quickly trying to sell your own designs. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of Brian, I don't want to say too much. But Brian sent me a couple of early previews of a SketchUp class he's working on that we're going to sell in the guild. And this is huge because I don't know if you guys heard about the Fusion 360 announcements about the sort of further dividing what their free offering is from their paid and pro offerings. Uh, And a lot of people were jumping ship from SketchUp because they didn't like the web version, which is their free version, uh, over to Fusion 360. And this is a little bit of one of those rude awakenings that make you go, oh, yeah, they're trying to make money. (laughs) I forgot they're a company (laughs) making money. (laughs) We were just talking about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, Brian and I have been talking about this for a while, doing a, a SketchUp course. But this timing was actually pretty good. And what I thought, you know, we we decided together that maybe what we do is cover the web version. Um, So it's going to be a general SketchUp course, but the web version is just a little bit different. And it's not as bad as people think it is. It's actually, you know, fairly full featured. You just got to know where everything is and you got to learn a few new things. So I think this is going to be an awesome course. You guys are absolutely going to dig this. I've seen um, the preview of the first video and it's really good. And Nicole says, oh, Brian's got a nice voice. I did. I was like, oh, you have a really nice voice, Brian. There you go. What do you think, Brian? What do you think of that? Um, okay, so look, look out for that. Mike Davies says, when you're making a frame and panel structure, I know you want to leave room for the panel to expand and contract if it's solid wood, but if it's a sheet good like plywood or MDF, do you want to glue it all the way around and lock it in place to add rigidity to the piece? Or would you not bother because your joinery should, shouldn't be crap and the panel is fine to float? Well, usually I do let the panel float to an extent uh, if I'm feeling saucy and I, I don't, you know, the thing is when you put a little bit of glue in a groove and then you pop a panel in there, sometimes you get squeeze out. And what I don't want is that glue to squeeze out on that edge because that seam, as you go across, you'll have a, a point where it's got glue stuck in there and it looks solid and then there's another air gap next to it or on both sides of it. So as long as you can get the glue into the groove cleanly, and you don't wind up with glue squeeze out between the panel and the frame, um, and you have time to do it, go ahead and glue it in. It's only going to make the the structure stronger, Um, but you don't have to do it. So if you trust your frame and panel joinery, and you don't feel like gluing it in, you shouldn't have to, but sometimes I do. Kind of depends. I would say most of the time, though, I don't. I might just put a couple of drops of glue to secure the panel and stop it from moving. You crack me up, because I think you're done. And then you just keep going. The words will continue to flow, Nicole. <laughs> like, uh, Michael wants to know. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Stop. Michael Lusk wants to know, what is the best way to drill a flat bottom hole? Uh, have you used a dado clean-out bit to help? Does this make sense? Okay, well, drill, but then you mention a dado clean-out bit, which is a router. Okay. So it depends on what operation a you're flat doing. flat bottom hole. Yeah, but well, most of the time when people want a flat bottom hole, they use a Forstner bit on a drill uh, or a drill press. Uh, Forstner bits tend to have a leading um, spur in the middle that is kind of helping guide the bit. And that means you do have a flat bottom, but you also have a hole in the middle. So if you're looking for something to make a truly flat bottom then a bowl cleanup bit, or they go by a couple different names. But what, what he's talking about is one of those bigger bits that has just a nice flat bottom. Ah. You could use those to surface a big board if you're doing like a router uh, sled method. Um, they have bits like that that you could put in a CNC he for says, flattening. don't want the hole. 
Yeah, so he doesn't want the hole from the Forstner bit. So oh. yeah, a, a router um, bottom bit, bottom bowl cleaning what bit I or whatever for? it is. Bottom bowl bit. <laughs> bottom bowl bit. Bottom bowl bit, Nicole. <laughs> oh, wow. Buttery, flaky crust. Buttery, flaky crust. All right. Which and they also... Uh, this one? Yeah, Maybe. I mean, but it depends on what he wants to do. So yeah. sometimes they have bigger diameters. Sometimes it's a, a narrower one. I just I just search bowl bottom bit. Do you remember when we made the MLCS or uh, <clears throat> Eagle America candy bowls? Yes. For the, holidays, yeah, right? we got a whole bunch of templates I want to make some. There's bits that have that nice rounded outside corner mm -hmm. so that you get a good interior corner in there and it's not a real sharp corner. Um, so that might be what he's looking for. If you're looking to put that in your drill press, I wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking for a substitute for the Forstner bit, there have been times where I've done things where I clean out the bulk with the Forstner bit and I just keep it a little bit higher than it needs to be so that I can come back with the router bit and do cleanup passes and get rid of that little spur hole. So uh, there's all the templates and then on the template page there's a bowl and tray accessory the, kit. The four-piece bowl and tray accessory kit has some of those bits okay. in it that would be useful for this. Um, Michael, I'm going to link to the Eagle America page that has the bowls that we're talking about. And if you scroll down, there's like a collection of bits as yeah. well. Uh -huh. So that might get you where you need to go. Sure. Uh, Kent Johnson says, I want to put up T111 on my shop walls. That is not a, uh, a Terminator designation, but it's this stuff right here. <laughs> My local box store only carries half-inch thick. What did you use? Would the half-inch be good enough, or uh, should I find three-quarters of an inch? You know, I've never really seen three-quarters in the big box stores. Most of the time, it's like half-inch or five-eighths, I think, maybe. Maybe. Maybe half-inch and three-eighths. I don't know. Either way, um, what I have here is half-inch. You don't really have to think about it that much, though. Um, when you put this thing up and you secure it, you know, all the way to the studs in the wall, this then becomes something that's still pretty secure, even if it's not the full um, half inch. Or So I would say go for the half inch. That's kind of the sweet spot. That's what I've used throughout my shop. It works really well. Holds a screw nice. So Stumptown said start with a Forstner bit, stop short, finish with a pattern bit. It's almost like I said that exact oh, okay. same thing. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't listen to you. Look, it's a combination of a, a, a delay yeah. and you not listening. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> uh, Vin Sanders uh, wants to know, Mark, I know you've answered this many times. For a beginner, what should there be, what should the first block plane, first block plane, I can't talk. What should their, their first What should be their first block yeah. plane? Yeah. The first one you can get in your hands. Yeah. Even a crappy block plane can be kind of tuned up to do its job. Whether it does it as well as, you know, a Lee Nielsen or, you know, some sort of high-end plane is uh, another story. But it can still work. And you could still learn a lot about sharpening, a lot about uh, tuning up a hand plane without getting too invested in it playing with the block plane. So um, get one at a flea market. Get one inexpensively. I wouldn't really, you know, um, spend a ton of money on it. If you have a big budget and you know that you're into this woodworking thing for the long run, then yeah, maybe in that case you do want to switch to, um, you know, both of these brands are really fantastic. Both uh, Lee Nielsen and, uh, here, get my beard out of it, Nicole. <laughs> it's so unprofessional. Uh, it's like a spider web. The Lee Nielsen or Veritas, all right? These are really, really heavy. They're very well made. Out of the box, they are just going to work, right? So what's nice about these is if you're new to the craft, you can kind of see what a good hand plane should feel like 
um, which is something you may not know right away. So that when you do use a plane that is not tuned well, you could say, yep, this is crap and this could be better. Right? So it just depends on where you're at, where your budget's at, mm-hmm. things like that. Tim JB is uh, freaking me out. With, he said, do you have any spire problems making their nests in the grooves of the T11 wall? I don't think so. Get out of here! <laughs> uh, well, no, not really. I mean, I guess if you have a, if you have a spider-prone area, your shop has a lot of mm-hmm. spiders, maybe they'll make some happy homes in there. Uh, we often get up in the corners, you know, but that's kind of like any big open space. And there's all, it's not like the whole shop. Well, you got that side and that. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. It's not oh. the whole shop. I would say maybe about uh, two-thirds, yeah. maybe half. Yeah. Half of the shop is, is yeah. lined with that stuff. Yeah. At least here in Denver, no. And truthfully, we don't get a lot of bugs in Denver. Right. That is one of the, the best best kept secrets about ha- Denver is it doesn't have a whole lot of bugs. And when we do get spiders, we have a guy We have a guy that comes. Yeah, John comes in. No, he's a- <laughs> him. His tongue is uh, it's very <laughs> get long. Get out of here. Got a super chat right there. It's prehensile as well. You're silly. Okay. Super chat. Super chat. Video, Video commenter. commenter. Hey, he's he, Chilean. He, he, joined me, uh, he joined me live. The other day. Aw. Uh, yesterday. Chilean here. Got to roast some pork ribs in your name. Thanks for the uh, holiday greetings, Mark. Hey, I'm all about Chileans. I mean, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I am a, uh, a man of the Chileans. I'm a big fan. You're so full of crap. We go way back, me and Chile. <laughs> don't, don't knock my Chilean no, I, uh, I love, fandom. I, I think it's great. The Chileans are fantastic. They are. Good people. Good people. All around. Yes. Happy Independence Day. Happy uh, 18. Let's see. <laughs> you know, he's just silly. I'm, I'm being supportive. I know you're being supportive, but you're also silly. Uh, Eddie Bowers in the chat room. Really? Yeah. The, the person who makes the clothes? I don't think And the so. truck? I think his name is just Eddie Bauer. Well, that's an interesting coincidence. Uh, I would prefer your opinion most of all. There are many opinions out there about end table heights. Yes. I'm new to your chat. Thanks. These are not numbers I know off the top of my head. I can tell you like a dining table because that's what I'm working on right right now. Uh, Most of my dining tables I've made are at about 31 inches. Uh, That's just a comfortable height for me and the people who I serve food (laughs) at those tables. Yes. Uh, For an end table, I would literally have to go and look at what I've made in the past and And measure measure it. it. Uh, One good thing to do whenever I'm looking at furniture, uh, just to kind of like as you're starting to design... I mean, it, it, it's kind of like the equivalent of the Google search when you're looking for inspiration to build a new project. Um, go to Amazon, go to any furniture store website, and look at what their tables are. Most of the time, you're going to find a range that's plus or minus an inch uh, that most of these pieces of furniture come in. Uh, that will at least narrow you down. And then the next thing you should probably do is go to a furniture store. Mm -hmm. You need to see things or even make a mock-up at home. Uh, Get some cardboard, get something to an approximate height, put it next to your couch, and see if it's a great place for you to put that remote or your phone or your drink or whatever it is. Uh, You gotta see in person. And this way, you know, the numbers can kind of get you close, but there's really nothing like putting it in your area and seeing what it's like. So same thing with the table. Um, You know, you could design a table, but until you actually know where that apron lands, does it interfere with the top of your legs? Do the legs get in your way? Is the height comfortable to sit at and actually eat food off of? Um, those are things you need to actually uh, experiment with and experience to know for sure. 
I got a question here from Shane Myers. Have you had any hand, hands-on experience with the Shaper Origin? If you have, nope. do you have any opinion? No, oh, he has I one. saw, I, I think I, I almost touched it at Philip Morley's shop. He has one? He has one. Okay. He, he almost let me touch it, but he decided not to. <laughs> uh, but I have not had my hands on it. I got to tell you, I mean, the people who have them seem to love it. They love it. Yeah. And as someone who is now an owner of a full-size CNC, as small as that is, that is a four by two, a two by four um, unit. And in the world of CNC, that's fairly small. Sure. Uh, it's not hobbyist, but still, it's certainly not a four by eight. That thing takes up so much room. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of real estate. I'm honestly surprised we found a place for it. I know. <laughs> well, we had to move some stuff around yeah. and you know, shove a lathe in the corner because yeah. we don't use it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a big commitment to have a big lathe, and I think Shaper Origin, those guys are on to something. Mm. They're on to something, Nicole. There you go, Shane. Aren't they owned by Festool now? I have no I idea. I think Festool bought them. Did they? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's like a year ago, but yes, or two years ago. Evan Malden says, hey guys, what are some of your tips and tricks for casework built-ins when it comes to installation and making sure everything fits well? Oh God. <laughs> well, it usually starts with a mallet. He hates he hates built-ins. You have just highlighted one of my least favorite things to do in woodworking. Yes. Here's the reason why I hate built-ins. Um, I love the unrealistic world that I live in, this little bubble in my shop where, where everything is square. straight and square and exactly the length I cut it to. When you have to take one of those things and put it in a place that's anything but straight and square and the wall isn't plumb, it's a whole different set of skills. don't care. Good oh, enough. no, they don't. They... It's that, you know what, in the construction world, it's the next guy's problem. <laughs> yes. The framer doesn't have to worry about it because it's the drywaller's problem. Yeah. The drywall guy doesn't worry about it because it's the guy who does the mud's problem. Yeah. Anyway, then it's the painter's problem. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, installing built-ins is not my favorite thing to do. I've got one coming up. I mm -hmm. promised my mom that I would do a little built-in in her, her condo. She's got this very tall, narrow area, and we're going to have to have a couple of shelves and some doors, some drawers. And uh, usually for me, what it comes down to is trying to figure out the absolute minimum dimension because you need that case to be able to, to slide in, right? So if I make it a little bit too large, um, it's going to interfere. And then I've got this beautiful cabinet that I made that I can't actually push fully into its space. So that's the first step is figuring out what the dimensions are. Is the area square and kind of working this build to fit within those parameters? But... I am not the person you want to ask like, about that because this is yeah, not my favorite. And I, and I also feel like we should do like an over-under with the chat room on when you actually do your mom's built-in, like over-under a year from now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to avoid it. I know you are. The problem is there's like electrical work in the alcove <laughs> and stuff that should really be covered up pretty soon, pretty quickly. It's not too bad. I think my, my strategy is going to be Find the minimal dimension, right? Mm -hmm. And then just kind of build a little bit within that, a little bit in from that. Because once this thing is pushed in, as long as I overhang the opening, uh, what happens inside there isn't really that consequential, mm -hmm. right? As long as I can secure it to the walls. Right. So, I don't know. Let's not talk about this. It makes me nervous, Nicole. Michael Lust just did a super chat. Makes, me, really... makes me uncomfortable <laughs> talking about built-ins. Okay. Michael Lusk says, uh, coffee on me. Enjoy. Thanks. Great job, guys. Bada bing, bada boom. Thanks, well, same Michael. to you, Michael. I appreciate it. And uh, RB, welcome uh, to the members. Here we go. Nail Bender says, as a professional Finnish carpenter, uh, learn to scribe. Built-ins are something that I do regularly. I would put Finnish carpenters and up there. And story stick, right? Well, story stick can help depending on what you're doing. But yeah. um, I would put them up there in my like 
respect hierarchy for craftspeople pretty damn high. Yeah. Um, the things that they have to do to get stuff to look perfect in an imperfect space, it's an art form. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of respect for it. Much, much respect. Which is why I can't wait to do a video on it and then to be told by all those people who I just complimented <laughs> how crappy my methods are. Somebody even said you should do a video uh, of your mom's built-in. should be entertaining. Yeah, it's me taking the band hammer <laughs> and trying to get that thing to go in. Yeah, it should be good. Oh, no. Do you have more Patreon I'm questions? Done. I'm done, sister. You got to the end? I got to the end. You did black goat woodworking? Yeah, we're actually almost done. So. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. I have a couple more. Greg Moore says, I have a gun stock. I'd like to stand and finish off and put a golden oak stain on it. It's currently very dark. Uh, it's a currently very dark finish mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what hard wood it is, but it doesn't seem to have a lot of strong grain. Okay. Uh, what was there a question in that? Sounds good. <laughs> let's go with that. Sorry, plan. Greg. <laughs> let's go. Let's do that, Greg. All right. Uh, Apo Apina says, when driving screws, do you use a normal drill or impact driver and why? Oh, impact driver all the way. Yeah. Um, you know, impact drivers are great. They may not be good for everything because they're super powerful and they're also a little bit loud. Uh, but it, to me, impact drivers are a game changer. Uh, the amount of force, you know, especially if you're thinking about, you know, us guys who do lots of on-site installs. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're in an awkward position and you got to get a lot of power to get a drill um, up there and get a screw driven into something. If you've got a impact driver, it's a cakewalk. You don't really have to do a whole lot. The drill's doing so much of the work. If it's a traditional drill, you really have to keep a lot of pressure up there and a lot. it's a lot of force on your wrist uh, to keep that thing seated in the top of the screw and drive it up. Um, so uh, applying that to things in the shop, again, in the controlled scenario of the workshop, um, it's almost overkill to have an impact driver but they're fantastic. It's just a very easy way to, to drive screws. I got a question that came in on our chat, which normally I, I'm on, but I feel really bad. This came in from Kevin Shapiro, and I wanted to read you his question. He says, when my wife and I moved into our first house uh, and only home years ago, I made my first attempt at doing some kind of physical construction project. I've never done anything with wood, and we needed a bench. Okay. Uh, he built it with a friend, and we placed a planter on each end. Years later, I moved it, moved the planters because I couldn't empty them and moving them without assistance. And he found a crack and possibly some rotting boards beneath from the water that had run from the planter onto the wood bench. Sure. So he was wondering, because the cracks are large, mm -hmm. and how he could repair and refinish the bench. He's not Excuse sure me. if the bench could be saved. Um, we can't afford to replace the wood that's there, but I'm not sure how I would go about replacing it if I, I could afford to. Well, I mean, it, it, a lot of this... Because is it wood rot? Is that what is happening? Sounds or? like it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this probably is wood that wants to be replaced. Yeah. Uh, you know, short of actually replacing the problem boards, this might be a job for epoxy. You know, I don't mm. really con usually condone just pouring epoxy over something. But uh, if you have rotting wood, there are products out there like CPES, uh, Clear Penetrating Epoxy Sealer. Mm. Total Boat also has a penetrating epoxy. Uh, you could put that into the wood, let it absorb, and it kind of takes those rotting, gross fibers and stiffens them up. Do you want to clean it first, though? Do you want to try to... Sure, like... but again, this uh, I don't know the, the extent of the damage. i got to see what he's up against. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you definitely want to clean it. You certainly oh, want to yeah. just pour epoxy over a dirty surface. <laughs> 
You're going to want to, you know, probably get a brush in there, like a, um, uh, a stiff bristle brush, clean out any of the gook in there, get some compressed air, blow the dust off of it. Uh, you could even clean it up if you want to with a little bit of sanding. But again, I need to see this thing to know, you know, what to advise. Sure. But a lot of times with rotted wood, if replacement isn't an option and we're just talking about a small piece of furniture, you could certainly use um, epoxy to stiffen up the fibers and kind of build it back up a little bit. Um, and then you could, if you wanted to, continue to uh, do an epoxy pour, not a pour, an epoxy coating um, to seal up the rest of the bench. But it definitely sounds like this this thing's going to need some TLC. Yeah. And, and epoxy might be your friend here. Well, and it's still, I mean, it's an outside yeah. thing, so. You could look into, um, if it's a lot of wood that's been chewed away by Mother Nature, uh, you might even look into some Bondo. You know, Bondo is something oh. that you could... Yeah. Um, fill it with, but it's not going to look very good. Well, if it's on the bottom, it doesn't matter, right? If it's under, well, if he plans to put the planters back, mm -hmm. then yeah, you could probably get away with that. Tommaso wants to know, sheet good storage, uh, vertical, horizontal, flat, on point? I don't know what that. Um, mine are all, oh, oh, there's our alarm. There's our alarm. Mine are leaning up against the wall. Generally, that's not ideal. You want to, if you're going to store them vertically, you want them to be as much on end as possible. Maybe if they have a little lean, that's fine. But the more lean they have, the more over time you could find that panel starting to just kind of bow and bend and give way to gravity. So ideally, you don't want to do that. Mine are on the wall and they are leaning about, I don't know, maybe five degrees from vertical. Uh, you can actually build triangular supports on your wall. So if you're going to be leaning these things, you if they're leaning and they've got support in the middle then it's actually not that bad. So you can put some braces on the wall, lean up against that and have those take up some of that pressure in the middle. And that's a way that you can have the benefit of uh, a leaning vertical storage without the, the, you know, the tendency for it to bow over time. <laughs> Walter wants to see the fancy liner of your jacket. I saw that question, but I don't think... It's just a fleece jacket. I, I think, think he, he might be seeing a fold. Yeah, you're seeing the fold. So which it's is... not my liner. <laughs> it's our, his jacket is just... It's just my Marvel jacket. Yeah. We got that at a... Uh, it was a Comic-Con. Yeah. I don't know which one, but it was a Comic-Con. <laughs> Tim says, just hit the snooze button three times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's wrap it up. All right. Anything I'm, else we got before uh, we do the after show? I put the after show. If you're a, if you are a member on YouTube, go to the community tab and you'll find the after show link. Um, the after show is just really kind of ask us anything not woodworking, but yeah. it can be woodworking. I plan to. You know what I'm going to talk about in the after show today? Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Maybe a little bit of lower decks, but I'm definitely talking chase, about. Don't chase start, people away start. you want them to come <laughs> oh that's right you want to, to come to the after show uh yeah we'll talk about um my favorite youtube comments of the week how about that sure uh i also put the link if you're a patreon supporter you also get that uh that so you don't have to be youtube we're still you can, trying to make both yeah. sides happy whatever sides, you want to do yeah. did you tell them about the new stickers the new uh things you had made on on the the members on youtube Oh, the, the new, if you're a member on YouTube, I have a couple of new uh, emojis. So say hello to Dougie, uh, Coffee, and me saying hi. Oh, look at you. <laughs> you're so cute. I'm like, hi. That's awesome. Those are yeah. the most useless things in the world. I know. But they're but fantastic. I think they're, I, I think they're cute. Sure, sure. So I did it. Okay. Uh, and if you watch us, if you watch the main show on Amazon Prime, uh, we are, well, I was caught up, up until he released the shorter video yesterday, Yeah. but all four videos are now on Amazon Prime under season 14, so we're relatively caught up. Hey, so hold on. Hold on. Tim, oh, wait, wait. I think Tim said that, I, he said you just alienated all the Star Wars fans. 
Look, Star Trek does not have to come at the expense no. of Star Wars. I like Star Wars more than Star Trek. Can't, can't they both be good? Hey, we're I think married, they're both good. And we're married. You like Star Trek? Like yeah, but Wars. I also like Star, Star Wars, Wars I know. forever, and I, know. I resisted Star Trek, and now I like Star Trek, but that doesn't mean that I no longer like Star Wars. It's like having another kid. Your love just grows. Yeah, you don't have to have just room for one. If you have two, you increase your total love, <laughs> and you divide it equally. Uh, OJ, welcome to the bonus show and members. Yes. We appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're good? I think we're good. <sighs> okay, so those of you who have the after show level, we will see you in the after show. And thank you for watching. Have a great weekend. Couple minutes. We'll be over there. Couple minutes. <laughs> Nicole's got to poop. <laughs>